Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Good morning, Genesis family. Uh, Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 22, verses 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, whose head is this and whose title? They answered the emperors. Then he said to them, give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperors and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard this, they were amazed. And they left him and went away. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in this beautiful, amazing, weird, tricky uh, little passage, we have some Pharisees and some Herodians asking Jesus a question. And it's a delicious one. Uh, Also, you need to know that this is at the end of Jesus's life. This is in his last week. He has already cleansed the temple. He is marching toward his execution. And so it's very, very intense. And so when Jesus cleansed the temple earlier in this chapter, right here in Matthew 22, he was making a statement against corrupt religious authority. What was happening was that, you know, the like picture a family and that family would have a little lamb that they would have been their pet, this sweet little lamb. And they would have walked that sweet little lamb all the way up to the temple to be sacrificed. But before the lamb would be sacrificed for the forgiveness of their sins, that lamb would be inspected by some of the temple officials. And the temple officials could say and did say often, oh, your lamb is not clean enough. Bummer. You can't have your sins forgiven for this entire year. Now, luckily, we have some lambs in the back that we can sell to you right now so that you can go ahead and have your sins forgiven. And then they would charge an exorbitant fee for that. And Jesus was basically saying, that's corrupt. You've turned this temple, which is my father's house, into a den of robbers and thieves. That's why he got so angry that he upended the tables and there's coins clattering all over the floor. So he was making a statement against the religious authority. And so when these Herodians, religious leaders, and Pharisees, religious leaders, 
ask him this question, they're trying to provoke Jesus into making a statement against civil authority. So that's what's that's what's going on. And you have to know in first century Palestine, uh, Palestine was not independent. It was a colony of the Roman Empire and it was heavily, heavily taxed. So the question, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor, is not a civic law. The, 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 the question is, is this lawful unto God? Like, is it godly or not godly to give money to the empire and its ungodly ways and its cult of emperor worship? So it's a really, it's a really interesting question. And the answer to the question kind of depends on which end of the political spectrum that you found yourself. And it depends on how you see power and how you see power get wielded. So here's the political spectrum in this story. On the far right, you have the Roman military, which used its spears and its weapons to wield power by using violence to coerce people into submission. So that's on the far right. On the middle right, you have these Herodians, which is some of the characters in today's story. And they wield power by collaborating with the Romans. They figure the only way that we're going to get our people what they need is if we uh, do some things that maybe we wouldn't rather do, but we have to do it in order to appease Rome so that Rome will give us a very long leash. Those are the Herodians. Now, to the middle left, you have the Pharisees. And I know that sounds weird to call, wait, the Pharisees were progressives? Actually, they were back in the day. So in the middle left, you have the Pharisees who wield power by judging how perfectly people follow the law. So they use religious pressure. They wield power by using religious pr pressure. And then to the far left are zealots who wield power by using violence against Jewish people, Jewish Palestinians, who collaborate with the Romans. Okay. Now, interesting. Jesus and his 12 disciples, his inner circle, he has... Uh, Judas, who is a zealot. Okay, so he's on the far left. He also has Matthew, a tax collector who collaborated with Rome. <laughs> so you got to ask the question like, how did that work, right? I mean, his 12, they must have had some very interesting political discussions around that table when they ate hummus and when they ate their, you know, their, their pita. So that's for a different sermon, but that's just interesting that you notice that, that Jesus picked someone far left and middle right to be on his team. Hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> okay, so in today's text, it's both the Herodians, people in the middle right, and the Pharisees, people on the middle left, who ask Jesus this question, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? And they're attempting to trap him into aligning either with the right or the left. And if he gives the answer, yes, it is lawful, then he's going to alienate people who like the zealots and people who are you know, struggling. If he says no, then he's going to alienate himself from the civic authorities. And uh, so they're trying to trap him. And so, you know, I guess one of the interesting observations is, I guess it was just as tempting back then as it is today to try to co-opt Jesus into your agenda. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so let's do our first all play question. All play question number one. 
in what ways do you see people today trying to co-opt Jesus across the political spectrum? Okay, in what ways do you see people today trying to co-opt Jesus across the political spectrum? Use the chat function to answer. Ha <laughs> ha. We have people on the right doing it. We have people on the left doing it. Oh my, <laughs> I could go on forever, Hannah says. And by the way, Hannah, beautiful job with the doxology. Thank you so much. Nathan says, in what ways do we not? Oh my gosh, yes. Answering a question with a question, how very Jesus-like. <laughs> people trying to peg him as far right, yep, caring only about morality. Or on the far left, Danny Cook says, caring only about social issues, right? So tempting to try to use Jesus over and against others to say, I'm getting Jesus right, you're getting Jesus wrong. Whew. Any others? In what ways do you see people trying to co-opt Jesus across the political spectrum? Jesus carries a flag and a gun. Yeah, I saw a bumper sticker the other day that says, um, that, that said like, yep, I'm what you liberals are afraid of. God-fearing, gun-toting, flag-waving, etc." right? But people on the right are not the only ones who do it, as, as we've seen, equating Jesus with jingoism. Bob, can you define jingoism? I, I, I know, I thought I knew what that meant, but I'm not sure that I know what that means. Um, maybe it's, so Allie, politicians posing with Bibles outside of churches. Yes. Uh, okay, extreme nationalism. Right. So we, we, we've seen this. Um, U.S. Constitution is a sacred text on par with the Bible. Ooh, Nathan, yes, yes, yes. Have you ever seen someone on the far left saying, like, you're not a true Jesus follower unless you are actively involved in a thing like uh, Black Lives Matter or something like that? Have, um, have you ever had that on the left saying Jesus was a socialist? Yes, Will. <laughs> So all of these are ways that we try to co-op Jesus. And this is what's this is what these guys are trying to do. And, and now remember, it was a powder keg, especially around the time that Jesus was about to be executed. People on the far right, people on the far left, uh, Jewish Palestinians arguing about what way is the way that the kingdom was going to come, about when the Messiah was going to come, about what was going to bring about the Messiah. Some people, like the Essenes, there were this sect that decided to just move away from society altogether and try to bring about Messiah by being morally pure, by having nothing to do with society. Again, the Zealots were trying to, in fact, many people think that Judas, uh, when he betrayed Jesus, was just simply trying to enact a riot. And so through violence, Jesus would claim his throne, that he wasn't really trying to get Jesus, well, that even if he was trying to get Jesus killed, he thought that was the right thing to do because that kind of violent uprising would usher in the kingdom. Um, and so it's that's the, that's the pretext or that's the context that everything is happening, all right? So um, let's do a Genesis commune, Hannah. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Okay, so tell us then, what do you think? This is how Jesus answers. Tell us then, what do you think? Um, 
No, sorry. Tell us then, what do you think? Paying taxes to Rome, is it right or not? That's what the question is. And so they're looking for a straightforward yes and no answer from Jesus, but he refuses to give them a straightforward yes or no answer, which you got to you gotta just admit, that's one of the most frustrating things about Jesus. <laughs> it, like when Jesus gives someone else who we consider an enemy a so-so answer, we, yes, right? But then we have to look at all the ways at times we would love a straightforward answer from Jesus. And he refuses to give us that either. And you gotta, you gotta admit that is frustrating. Can I get an amen? I mean, Jesus is frustrating sometimes. Can I get an amen to that? He's not just like our boyfriend that, you know, that gives us flowers every day. He is not interested in picking up your agenda. He's really not. And that to me personally is frustrating. Um, so Anyway, the first thing, so let's let's look at his answer and let's let's try to draw some conclusions about how we're supposed to live today. So the first thing he says is this. Um, why are you trying to trap me, you hypocrites? And I think in that he's recognizing that most yes or no questions really are traps. Most questions that are designed to be dualistic yes or no answers are traps. And that so that's like when you ask someone a yes or no answer and you demand that they give a yes or no answer, you, you just got to know that that is trapping people. And in a way, it, it really isn't fair. He's also showing that he's not afraid of these Herodians or Pharisees. And he's also not afraid of falling into a trap. So first thing he says, tell us then, what do you think? Uh, you're trying to trap me, you hypocrites. I'm not going to fall for it. So then he says, show me the coin that's used for the tax. So they brought him one. Now, this silver coin is a silver denarius, specially minted for this particular tax payment. And on it was an image on one side of Tiberius Caesar, and on the other side with his mother, Livia. And on the coin were these words, Tiberius Caesar, worshipful son of divine Augustus. So basically, you know, Caesar, son of God, is what that coin said. So Jesus says to these Herodians and these Pharisees, show me the coin used for the tax. And so they brought him one. So all play question number two. What might Jesus be trying to say or demonstrating by handling the coin, by asking for the coin and then holding it in his hand? What do you think Jesus might be saying by asking for the coin and then by holding it in his hand? Let's go, everybody. By the way, just catching up here. Uh, Jane and Jason, there are some Quakers that don't pay taxes. Yep. A movement for a peace tax fund. Yep. And from Bob Timperley, Jesus just might have been a libertarian or an anarchist. <laughs> My kingdom is not of this world. Yes, could be. Okay. So Danny Cook, God doesn't need your money. He's doing just fine. Thank you very much. Quoting Bono. <laughs> I love that, Danny. You know, <laughs> I can't remember the exact quote, but that's, that's, that's definitely Bono. Uh, Nathan. Taking it, Nate Banker, taking it from ethereal theory to real practical life stuff. Yeah, show me the coin. 
And so these Herodians, now remember, Herodians and Pharisees who are asking the question, is it lawful to pay this tax? And this coin is minted for the purpose of paying the tax. They pull it out of their pocket and give it to Jesus, right? So what, what might Jesus be saying? Show me the symbol of your idolatry. Yes, Bob. Oh, my gosh. Jenny, inviting their opinion on the issue. Yes, that's awesome. Now, Will, in essence, Jesus is handling an idol, a literal idol, 100%. Jesus is touching an idolatrous symbol, right? He's touching it. He's handling it. He's holding it. I mean, this is what's actually happening. And he asks them for it. Remember, they've asked, is it, is it lawful to pay it? And by asking them for it, what is Jesus saying? Well, for one, he's saying, I don't even have a coin. <laughs> I don't carry it. But you do. Oh, my gosh. Right? I mean, that is a burn, as my sons would say. They would say, ooh, burn. He's also, they had it ready at hand. Exactly, uh, Jane and or Jason. Um, Danny Cook, he's revealing that they've already decided that it is lawful. Yes. He's also, by holding it and handling it. So, so number one, he's saying, listen, you guys, I don't carry it, but do you? Snap. But then by handling it, holding it, touching it, turning it over. He's also saying that I don't play by the rules that some of you guys do that are so scrupulous and, you know, that if you even touch it, you're unclean. I don't play by those rules either. So I'm not saying whether I pay the tax or not. I'm saying I don't hold, I don't have the coin, I don't carry the coin, but I'm not afraid to touch it. And that would drive some people nuts, right? He's literally touching an idolatrous symbol. So I just think that is so great. It kind of reminds me of when Jesus, I don't know if it means, I don't know if I think it's so great because I think it's a burn on the people, probably, that reveals my own bias for sure. So we got to get to the point where it's a burn on us too, and we will just wait. <laughs> but I also love the brilliance that Jesus uses uh, in, in, in the way that he teaches. He doesn't say one or the other. He doesn't fall into the trap. He exposes the hypocrisy. And so, um, yes, 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 yes. So it kind of reminds me of in Matthew 15 when Jesus says, it's not what comes into the body which makes one unclean, but what comes out of the body, right? So it's not handling a coin which makes you unclean. It's how you interact with that power on the coin that it represents and how you, how you interact with that. So then he said to them, whose head is this and whose title? They answered the emperors. And then he said to them, give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperors and give to God the things that are God's. So a more accurate translation, you guys, is this, give back to the emperor the things that are the emperor's. Not just give to the emperor, but give back to the emperor the things that are the emperor's. So I'll play question number three, and don't try to overthink this one, but what does it mean to give something back to someone? What does it mean to give something back to someone?
Let's go. Just catching up here. Uh, yep, Hannah, clean and unclean concerns. Uh, can you elaborate on the Greek there, Steve? Or is that too nerdy? It just literally means giving back. There's no, it's like rendering that which is owed, right? So like paying back a debt. It's giving back. It's a great question, Will. To share in my good fortune. Oh, that's good, Bob. Um, Cassandra, it was never yours in the first place. Yes, yes, yes. Peyton, you didn't have ownership. You were taking care of it for a time. Yes, yes, yes. Give back to Caesar that which is Caesar's. Uh, what else, you guys? What does it mean to give something back to someone? especially in this powder keg of anxiety and thoughts and roiling emotions. Uh, Nate, if it's Caesar's, then he has a claim on you if you have it. Ooh, baby. Boom, 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 boom. What else? Give back. What is Jesus saying? Well, let's... Maybe let's keep going, okay? Uh, as long as Caesar's requirement, Jesus might be saying, extends only to money, then go ahead and comply with it. So politics, as I learned in the Conflicted Allegiance workshop this week, politics comes from the word polis, which simply means the ordering of society. So taxes pay for things like your garbage, system, sewage system, the highways, schools. And even Paul says in Romans 13, 4, that governmental authority is God's servant for your good. What does that mean, right? And so um, the state, the government, and the things that are provided by the state and the government because of taxes can be good as far as they go in the ordering of society. And we should and can engage in those processes. Right now, you can we can argue back and forth about you know whether or not it's lawful to pay taxes, um, but if you drive on a highway and you don't protest that by refusing to do so, then it's hip, it's hypocritical to say I shouldn't pay my taxes. That's kind of what Jesus is saying. But it's also about, I think, give back to Caesar that which is Caesar. It's like engage in the political system insofar as it's about ordering and reordering society in ways that are good. So like, for example, the civil rights movement was a movement to change laws that oppress people. It wasn't just an ideological movement, as we all know. It was about changing laws that oppressed people. And I think we can infer that Jesus is saying... Go ahead and engage with that. Like to not engage with that is to sort of live with your head in the sand, not giving back to Caesar that which is Caesar's. Uh, it's good to change laws that are, op that are oppressive. Then there's a big and, okay? So and as followers of Jesus, we have to start seeing every human being as a divine image bearer. As followers of Jesus, we voluntarily give up the right to dehumanize, reject, or other anyone. Because Jesus says this, give to Caesar or the emperor that which is the emperor's, give back 
But then he says, and give to God the things that are God's. So as Caesar's coin bears Caesar's image and belongs to Caesar, so God's human beings bear God's image and belong to God. Let me say that again, you guys. As Caesar's coin bears Caesar's image and belongs to Caesar, so God's human beings, every single one of us, bear God's image and belong to God. And so when we interact across the political spectrum or any other spectrum, and when we act as though, when we fall prey to the ideologies that make us think that the other, the people that are, have opposing views than us, are less than human, when we put a target on their head and we say those far right, the far left, and, and President Trump or Vice President Biden or any, any othering, any dehumanizing, or any kind of... Um, political and or social maneuvering that places us over and against someone else that's a that's a human being a divine image bearer we are not operating according to the principles of Jesus we're not operating according to the ways of Jesus so and when we co-opt Jesus when we say that Jesus is you know on my side on the side of the far left on the side of the far right um, Jesus will consistently baffle you <laughs> outmaneuver you and and go against your agenda. I mean, that's the deal, uh, right or left. And so um, we have to look at what does it mean to bear the image of God? And then in the, you know, and what does it mean to wield power in the way of Jesus? What does it mean to wield power? Because this is what this question is all about. Is, you know, is it lawful to pay taxes? It's really about who do we trust to order society? And this is also something I heard in the Conflicted Allegiance. This question is, um, when is it time to use my privilege to uh, change a law for the sake of others, or to put my neck out there for the sake of others? When is it right to use my privilege to, for the sake of others? And when is it right to lay my privilege down? Right? When is it right to use my privilege for the sake of others? And when is it right to lay my privilege down? That's a question I've been sitting with for several days now, ever since Wednesday night. And so... Wrapping this whole thing up, here's a question. What would it be like for you to examine, examine your implicit biases against a group of people or a person and get curious about ways in which you can ascribe worth to that person or those other people? What is it like for, what would it mean for you to examine ways in which you are dehumanizing the other uh, and even using, you know, right or wrong spiritually to do so? 
And might it be time for you to instead think of that person in your mind, think of that group of people in your mind. And you don't have to put any right or wrong on what they do or what they think. Leave that out. Simply try to ascribe the worth that is inherent by virtue of the fact that they are created in God's image. And therefore, we can ascribe that worth to them, right? Whew, that's a challenge. Now, I know this probably raises more questions than it gives answers. And I'm 100% fine with that because I think a good sermon starts conversations instead of, instead of ending them. So I encourage you to have conversations with people. Um, start conversations with people about what you think about this and maybe what you disagree with, what you agree with, what you, what you push and what you, um, where you, you know, begin to move toward um, the ways of Jesus and what you really think. Our mission at Genesis is this. We are ordinary apprentices of Jesus who are learning to love God, love ourselves, and love others wholeheartedly. So this falls into the category of learning to be an apprentice of Jesus <laughs> and doing the work of learning to love others, love ourselves, and love God wholeheartedly. Amen. Whew. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions, questions or would, would like, like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.